Steelers Standard on Steelers Nation Radio and Podcast on Steelers.com. I'm Tom Offerman. With me, as always, is Jacob Rex. It is time to dig into some big-time matchups in this Steelers and Packers game. Steelers trying to snap the two-game losing streak. The Packers trying to build on a two-game winning streak. Jacob, you want to start with Steelers defense versus Packers offense or vice versa? Uh... Usually I like to save the best for last, but so I feel we'll like wait. I need a little pick-me-up. So I'm going to go with the guys I have more confidence in, and that's the Steelers' defense. So for your – I get even you. Though, I, even though this, the Packers' offense could be a mismatch in some areas, I'd still rather talk about the defense first just to give myself a You little. need some positivity, so let's talk about how you stop Aaron <laughs> freaking Rodgers. That's a way to get real positive here on a Friday morning, but okay. I think T.J. Watt coming back is going to make Aaron Rodgers' life more miserable than maybe he's had all year long so far, except for maybe that Saints game when no one really tried for the Packers. The Packers' offensive line, they're missing their big dog in David Bakhtiari. He's on IR. He's going to miss at least half the season. That's big for the Steelers, obviously. But also the line isn't great right now. Rodgers, Especially without Bakhtiari. Rodgers probably elevates it to looking better than it actually is. Uh, they have given up their fair share of sacks, though. Three sacks in week one, I believe, an additional two sacks in week two. And then they only gave up one sack last Sunday night against the 49ers. But they can be had. And I think that's the best way of attacking this Packers offense, just to start with a, a an initial attack plan. That's get that trio, or if it's just Ingram or Watt, duo of pass rushers, in Rodgers' grill all game long, make him have to throw the football away, make him have to move that pocket, make him have to be creative with his play calling. Because if you give Aaron Rodgers Joe Burrow time, mm-hmm. it's going to become apocalyptic. I mean, he's going to be throwing nuclear bombs all over the football field if he can sit back there for three-plus seconds. So it's a tough uphill battle to try to match up against this offense, even when you have a really strong defense like the Steelers do. And I'd say the first step is you got to make Rodgers feel a little bit uncomfortable. And that is such a hard thing to do because the man is just an unflappable god at this thing. I mean, he can't seem to feel any pressure whatsoever, whether it's in the literal sense or in the metaphorical sense with 37 seconds left on the clock it and no not, timeouts and he has just... to get to the 40 or 30-yard line. <laughs> like, pressure does not get to this guy. But you're going to have to put him on his ass. You're going to have to make him, you know, feel – the presence of a Watt, the Ingrams, the the Haywards, in order to have any sort of success and have any sort of prayer that he's going to throw a mistake up there. I mean, there's just no way if he has Burrow-level pockets that he's going to uh, do anything detrimental to his team and he's going to do anything less than put up like 35 to 40 points. I really don't think he'll have what Joe Burrow had this past week. Uh, when he came to Pittsburgh. I do think T.J. Watt is that effective at disrupting pockets. And we'll we'll just see how good T.J. Watt is here. Because if he can get to Aaron Rodgers and he can frustrate Aaron Rodgers to the point where it's putting the Steelers in a position just to kind of 
still be in this game, I'll consider it a, a, a successful day for, for TJ Watt and Cam Hayward. And Cam Hayward, excuse me. Because if you can frustrate Aaron Rodgers, even if it still leads to a Packers win, that's got to feel good because that guy, as you said, Tom, is as cool, calm, and collected with as little time as possible left on the clock. That guy just does not seem to know how to lose when the ball is in his hands with time left on the clock. So I do think that the Steelers will have the advantage up front. David Bakhtiari and I'll be playing. Yesterday uh, it was uh, for the Packers. Um, I'm forgetting the guard's name, but one of their starting guards also did not participate in practice yesterday, uh, Elton Jenkins. Uh, so that's two offensive linemen that the Packers could possibly be without on Sunday afternoon. And you're going to take any any leeway you can if you're the Steelers front seven. If you're Cam Hayward, if, if you're T.J. Watt, you're going to look for any type of mismatch, especially when that offensive line is protecting the guy named Aaron Rodgers because you know how deadly he can be with a healthy offensive line. So if you can get a little bit of penetration that you normally wouldn't have received if a fully healthy starting offensive line is playing opposite you, I think no two guys know how to take advantage better than guys like Cam Hayward and, and TJ. No two guys know how to take advantage better than those two, but there's not a quarterback in the NFL that knows how to play right. with a bad offensive line like Aaron Rodgers. He's too smart. He just knows how to scheme plays around it. He can check into a running play. If the blitz is coming, he can check into a quick pass to the opposite side of the field. He can roll the pocket out to his left or right. Uh, he can just throw the ball away. One thing Matt Williamson has stressed to me this week is that he is so impressive for Aaron Rodgers is just his knack for just deciding to live another day. His, his ability to just say, nothing's here. I'm just going to throw this ball to the popcorn vendor in the stands, and we'll take second and ten. We'll take third and ten. And that is an underrated ability in the NFL to have all of the skill in the world and all of the ability to force things into the tightest of windows and to still just be able to say, nah, white flag on this play. I'm going to throw this one away. So the worry with me is even if T.J. Watt gets home a lot, even if he you know, comes off the edge unblocked a couple of times, Rodgers is going to pick that up. He's going to run five yards to his left to avoid the sack and just dump the ball off into the sideline and not lose any yardage. So T.J. Watt will whip up on whoever he draws an assignment from from the Packers' offensive line, but him getting home to Rodgers is a completely different story, I think. It is, but I do think that it doesn't have to necessarily translate into um, sacks. I think if you at least penetrate the pocket, if you can get some quarterback hits, that could be enough to maybe frustrate Aaron Rodgers to a point. Now, I'm using that word a little bit generously when I, when I say to a point because I don't think the Steelers are going to go into Green Bay and win this game. However, if you come away with a semi-close victory, yeah. and I think that's going to come in the form of a low-scoring game, that not, writes, not that a writes, shootout. That writes the ship a little bit. Exactly. If you can contain Aaron Rodgers, you know that you can contain lesser teams, which could give your offense, which has struggled, a better chance to win. Yeah, if you go out and play the Packers tight, maybe you force Rodgers into a very rare interception. You know, maybe you win an ugly football, or you lose an ugly football game like twenty to thirteen, twenty to ten, something like that. And 
that 20 comes late where it's like a late field goal by Mason Crosby to put the game out of reach. Then you start feeling good about Denver coming into Heinz Field next week and getting off of that losing streak with a win there. And then you start to feel a little bit more confidence about the Seattle game following that one as well. But if you go out there and Rodgers just toys with you for 60 minutes and puts up 30 points and the game's over by the end of the first half, then you really start to worry that this team's psyche is just going to be completely deflated and you really question if that Denver game is a win or Mm -hmm. if that next win is going to have to come when the Bears come to town or the Lions come to town. So I agree with you. You you almost hate saying this, and it makes my skin crawl as a Steelers uh, fan because you want the Steelers to constantly – win football games especially when you're playing a team with the status like the Packers but it almost is like you you just at the very least want that moral victory which is so rare to say for the Steelers but you just can't get blown out to try to get things back on track you don't need a win necessarily this week to (laughs) to fix things for you no if if it's a 20 point if it's a three plus touchdown victory by the Packers then you're starting to say to yourself what what is happening here in Pittsburgh? Right. I hope that the rock bottom, you need to unplug the computer and plug it back in after 10 seconds moment was the Cincinnati Bengals game, and you start to see improvement. And, again, they don't have super skill position players that they can turn this thing around and still get 10 to 11 wins, but they can still fight their way to 7 or 8 and be a very respectable team and stay in the hunt loosely for a majority of the season but if they, again, go out and lay another egg after what you saw against the Bengals, I mean, how could you not question the team's ability to bounce back? That should well, be – they I'll, should see that game, and they should have embarrassment for their professional pride, and I think they will. And I, I think they'll play a lot more disciplined brand of football <laughs> against the Packers, and I think they'll definitely shore up a lot of those mistakes. you got to have some pride now. That's what I, I think Tom was drilling down this I week. agree with you. It just – it's very unfortunate for the Steelers to have a game like the Bengals game they had last week, and the following week you're going into Green Bay and playing Aaron Rodgers, right? I think right. If you were if it if it if it if the Green Bay game came first, and then you went out and had a bad game against the Raiders, and then you had a bad game against the Bengals, then you're saying to yourself, "Well, we expected that against Aaron Rodgers, but to do it against the Raiders, and then a second week in a row to do it against the Bengals." That hurts because we expect it to bounce back. And it's not going to be easy to have a bounce back, tune up kind of game, even if it's in a loss, just to have that moral victory, as you said. It's not going to be easy to do that on the road in Green Bay. No. That's my worry, is that is that even if you were a good team, you could still lose by two touchdowns to these guys that's in what their I'm own house. And so the pride thing becomes a factor, but I, I, I don't know if it's enough to drive you to beat this Aaron Rodgers-led offense. He's just that good, Tom. Well, we just spent a majority of the opening of this episode talking about just stopping Rodgers. It's worth it because, like I said, he's a fir- first ballot Hall of Famer and potentially the greatest thrower of the football that we have ever seen grace a football field in the Maybe just the best performer at the quarterback position. The best winner is Tom Brady. The best reader of the defense is Peyton Manning. The best the highlight best film is Aaron, is Aaron Rodgers. He's got the best highlight film for sure in my mind. Um, other weapons he has are the other two uh, members of what I like to call the AAA offense. Devontae Adams and Aaron Jones. 
loves to utilize Aaron Jones in both the running game and the passing game. Maybe the best running back he's had. I mean, for, for years he was pounding the table asking them for a running back. I mean, I, I, I'm blanking on the name, but who was the, the wide receiver that they turned into a running back? And he had some success, but he was like number 88 back there with Rodgers. Oh, and Montgomery. Yeah, Montgomery. And it's just funny that they reached for so many years just trying to fill that hole in their backfield. Finally did it with uh, Aaron Jones, and they actually have really good depth there, too, with A.J. Dillon, the second-year man out of Boston Dillon, though, College. may not play may this May not week. play this week, so they'll get a little bit of a saving grace there. Problem is, I don't think they need A.J. Dillon. <laughs> I don't think they do Because Aaron either. Jones can just I, – I, I think they love to do a rotation to keep Jones fresh, but if they need a week or two of just Jones getting every single snap, that's, that's definitely going to happen. Uh, they they honestly could live a week without Aaron Jones too with AJ Dillon's status of of play. But I digress. They're pretty deep at that running back position. Aaron Jones hasn't been able to get things going massively on the ground. He hasn't been horrible, but he has 158 yards through just three games. He didn't even break 15 yards <laughs> in his first game against the Saints. So. He's starting to get on track. I believe he had 63 yards against the Lions in Week 2 and something like 85 yards last week against the Niners. So starting to get that ground game going a little bit more in uh, Green Bay. But I think the biggest threat that he poses is in the passing game, not just uh, every week, but especially in this week going up against those Steelers linebackers. I think Aaron Rodgers is going to see a mismatch there, and I think he is going to feast on it. Aaron Jones, they are going to try to scheme Schobert or Bush into one-on-one coverage against him, and I think that is a bad uh, thing for the Steelers because I, I think Bush and Schobert have some potential. Uh, Bush has potential to be a really good cover linebacker. Schobert was billed as a good cover linebacker when he came here from Jacksonville. Uh, they've been less than impressive in that category so far this year, and I know they've had some tough matchups. I mean, Darren Waller for sure, but Aaron Jones is is – up there as one of the tougher ones they're going to face so far this year and at all this year. Absolutely. Aaron Jones' best game this year came against the Detroit Lions when he had, what, three receiving, three receiving touchdowns? touchdowns? He's their third leading receiver right now. It's He only has 75 yards, but Devontae Adams has eaten up a lot of the other yards there. So Devontae Adams, I mean, we'll get to it in a little bit, but that's how deadly Aaron Jones can be. Despite only having 75 yards through three games through the air, he's still scoring touchdowns for them. And Last week you saw against the 49ers, whether it was via the, via the ground game or via the air game, you're still hearing Aaron Jones' names constantly, constantly, constantly. And I don't think they're going to shy away at all. I don't. I think Aaron Rodgers and Aaron Jones will look at the pairing of Devin Bush and Joe Schobert and say, these guys haven't been able to contain Joe Mixon. These guys weren't able to contain uh, – Devin Singletary down the stretch of that Buffalo game and we saw them allow 15 and 25 yard runs on back-to-back plays on a key drive for Buffalo in, in a comeback effort there's no reason that Aaron Jones can't be contained by these guys one thing that just popped into my head that's so Aaron Rodgers and and so any really good quarterback who has faith in his uh, running back is I wouldn't be surprised if early in this game you see a lot of running Aaron Jones at TJ Watt and just mm. trying to pat, run block T.J. Watt off his line and just try to establish the run on that side of the ball. And I'm not saying that it's going to be successful, 
But I think Rodgers takes a shot again, Jacob, because it goes back to his management of a freak of nature like Watt with a lesser offensive line. If he can get a running game going on that side of the line and start pushing Watt back a little bit, that's only going to help the pass rush because Watt's going to start to think about, I really need to make sure I'm sealing this edge for the run because Jones has gotten me on this side for five or six yards a couple times already. So I wouldn't expect to be surprised if, if Rodgers goes – a couple of times at Watt with the running game just to just to try to get him off balance a little bit to start the football game. Again, it might not be successful. Watt, I would honestly almost bet on getting a couple tackles for losses there, and they'd have to abandon that strategy, but they might at least just give that a whirl. Uh, the last guy you mentioned, Devontae Adams, uh, and those are really the only three guys we're going to talk about in depth because the rest of the guys, the Valdez Scandlings, the Tanyans, those are just dudes. You know, there aren't really anything that's, you, that's and special. And Scantling may not even play. And I, I don't it doesn't matter for any them. Effect yeah, he's incredibly inconsistent. The only thing he does well is he's quick. And not even that. It's not, I'm not trying to focus on, on Scantling here. I just think they could go out with an offensive line, five offensive linemen, and just Aaron Jones, Aaron Rodgers, and Devontae Adams. And no one else, and they could still beat a defense. Yeah, a lot of these other receivers are just running routes to create space. I mean, mm-hmm. that's just this, the uh, the simple fact about it. Devontae Adams, though, I mean, the guy has the most catch uh, has the most games in a row. I believe it's at 15 now, with at least five catches in the game. Uh, so he is targeted immensely by Aaron Rodgers. I think he's the best receiver in football right now. Yeah. Um, I'm with you on his that. route running is what's so incredible. That's what Williamson told me on the advanced scout this week, that he is probably the best route runner in all of football, incredibly precise. And I said to him, well, if Aaron Rodgers had to handpick a tool that his number one receiver was in the best at, I think it would be route running. So because he's, he's Aaron got Rodgers it Rodgers can place the ball wherever, wherever he, he wants. wants to. And, they've and made as long that, as you're there – and if he can do it better than anyone, that, that combination is... And they've made that guess. back shoulder throw money. That Rodgers to Adams back shoulder connection is almost yep. automatic for them. And Adams' ability to adjust to the ball in the middle of his routes, in the middle of the air. I mean, we talk a lot this week about the pass to him to get to the 50 against the Niners mm-hmm. and how Fred Warner almost tipped that ball. Adams is literally twisting his body in the air <laughs> towards the body, ball yeah. to catch it. I mean, I like I said, he's the best receiver in football in my mind, and he's got one of the greatest quarterbacks of all time who's still playing at a top-five level, throwing him the football. It's a dangerous combination. It's the best one-two punch. Uh, Pittsburgh, let me put it this way for you. If you're a real football fan, you understand it because you know of the Rodgers and Adams prolific connection. But this – Right now is the new AB Ben from 2013, 2014, 2015. There was no one better at running routes than Antonio Brown was. The AB Ben connection was king in the NFL as far as a quarterback receiver connection for many years, and that has now shifted over to Rodgers and Adams. That is the deadliest one two punch now. Do you think right now, on the trajectory of which they're traveling over these past couple years, and including this year, that Devontae Adams? is going to be remembered as a better receiver than Antonio Brown? I don't know about that because Devontae Adams, to his credit, and kind of bucking the trend of a lot of receivers, is a relatively quiet dude, it feels like. You know what I mean? Like, you don't really hear 
He leans more towards the Larry Fitzgerald DNA than the Antonio Brown, and because of that, Are I just think— Are you saying off the field or on the field? Off the field and on, on the field. I, off the field, they couldn't be more different because Antonio Brown was all about panache and, and That's flash. what I'm saying, which makes him more in the public eye, so people are going to walk away but and I, be like, I I'm, think Okay, but I'm great. talking about talent. Right, and for the hardcore people, they might think that. And no that. offense to Larry Fitzgerald, I, as good and as consistent as he's ever been, he was never as good as Antonio Brown was for that four-year span. I'm going to say that, but I'm saying what I'm trying to illustrate here is that that off-field panache for the casual Pete fan is going to make him the best receiver because it's going to keep him in the spotlight, whereas Devontae Adams, for the casual fan, uh-huh. might not be as much of a household name. That's all I'm going to say about that. In my mind, do I think Adams could reach that pinnacle? Yeah, I think he's got about two or three more years of performing at this level before he reaches that point. But it's absolutely doable. He definitely takes a big blow if his quarterback decides to leave after this season, which oh, is, sure. which is I possible. I don't know if he keeps up those numbers. But we saw what Antonio Brown did and, and the times that it was Landry Jones throwing him the ball. Yeah, he's still a freak of nature. He's still going to be a good receiver even if Rodgers leaves. What do you do to stop but him, the, But the numbers are – are going to take a hit. What do you do to stop him, though? You got to double team him, right? I mean, yeah. So this is this is a a much more traditional game for Minka Fitzpatrick to have. I think kind of like the Diggs game. Kind of like the Diggs game, right? Yeah. Where you don't have to worry about bringing him up toward the line of scrimmage to protect the Darren Waller, who could be a, a, an incredibly no a deadly midfield threat. No, you need now him you have field. him on Devontae Adams, and you have him on Devontae Adams only. Because it's not like in Cincinnati where they had guys like Jamar Chase and Tyler Boyd. There there was Devontae Adams, and if Mar- if Marquez Valdez-Scaling does not play, I couldn't tell you the next wide receiver up. Alan Lazard, I want to say. Is he even, Is he even healthy or even on the team anymore? I don't know. Robert Tanyan, people were saying. He's a he decent did, target. But, but I don't think he's having a very good year Well, so here's far. the thing about him. Rodgers makes him who he is. He would be a And I don't think Rodgers is really giving him the ball as much as people were expecting him. He's going to have two touchdowns now that you said Great. that. He's going to have two red zone scores against the Steelers. Um, yeah, I, I think it's on Hayden and Minka mainly to handle Adams. But – that's a t- that's a big plate for both of those guys to to try to take on, but a, a lot is on the other defensive backs too. Because, like you said, you want to focus a lot on Devontae Adams. That you need those other guys to be able to handle one on one coverage with the rest of the the Packers skill position players. Because if they cannot, then you're screwed. Rodgers will still be able to throw the ball to the the Scantlings or whoever the other receivers are if they're getting open. So the Suttons and the Pierres. They need to do a good job of maintaining one-on-one coverage with these guys so as much help as possible can be put towards Devontae Adams. Of course, as I'm saying all of this, they could do it perfectly. They could have Minka and Hayden bracketing Adams. Sutton could be running with Valdez Scanling step-for-step. Pierre could be taking the slot out of the equation. And Aaron Jones is just wide open, blowing past Devin mm-hmm. Bush for a 15-yard gain. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, it could it, It's just an offense that has – Elite three elite players, right. so it's, not, it's, it's so hard have, to take them all out of it. It's not that they have too many options. You don't know where the ball is going. It's that you know where the ball is going, and they're still going to be good enough to get some type exactly. of production out of them. Well, we talked a ton about the offense here. we got to talk about attacking the Packers' defense a little bit. Uh, here's what really upsets me. It seems like another week where the best plan of attack is to run the football. The Packers have given up 115 yards on the ground in their first three games so far this season. It's not terrible, but it's middle of the league. Uh, Their passing defense is a lot better than that. 
Packers are an odd case study so far through these first three games. One, because the stats are a little skewed because of that debacle against the Saints, mm -hmm. but also because their defensive numbers, total yards allowed, passing yards allowed, they're both kind of flirting around the top 10 there. Rushing yards allowed, like I said, kind of middle of the pack, 15, 16-ish in the league, but they're like 26th in points allowed. So they like are the, you say the bend but don't break defense, they're like the don't bend but break defense. Right. Like, they let people in the end zone, but they don't let them gain a lot of yards against them, but the one yardage number that people have been able to rack up is those rushing yards, and it's like the third week in a row. Uh, we sat here for Raiders week and said they can be run on, run the football on the Raiders, and they couldn't get it going. The Bengals week, they can be run on, you got to run the ball against this defense. They couldn't get it going, and we saw in the Thursday night football game that the Jaguars had success running the football against the Bengals with that read option with Lawrence. Uh, I know the Steelers don't have the ability to do that read option with their quarterback, but the point remains you could run the ball against the Bengals, and Jacksonville, of all people, proved that last night. And then it's the same story this week. I look for a weakness. How do I attack? It's that rushing defense for the Packers. But I question now the Steelers' ability to be able to get that going, even against suspect run defenses. Yeah, uh, I think that bend or break but don't bend type of defense and that points allowed defense is probably going to have a little bit of a of a, of a booster shot here against the the Steelers. I think that what you said they ranked twenty sixth in the league in points against. They could climb the ladder there. They could get up to, like, 20th or something. I mean, this offense really is struggling. And like you said, Tom, it's not just because they've had bad weeks. You've seen teams they've gone up against struggle to do – struggle to protect against the pass or the run. And you say, well, maybe it was just us. No. and Or maybe, maybe they just had a good week. No, it was you guys could not do it. If Jacksonville can go out and run rampant on the Bengals on, on the road, I mean – the Jacksonville Jaguars are probably close to the worst team, if not the worst team in football right now. They're 0-4. It's the Jags or the Jets. I mean, those are the two. They're on a 19-game losing Ooh, streak. Ooh, the Giants, too. I forgot about them. But, yeah, they're definitely the bottom three. They're all three. bottom. Yeah. They're all bottom. And you saw the Jaguars go out to a 14 nothing lead. They put up a better fight against the Bengals than the Steelers did. Absolutely. Absolutely. They had a 14-0 lead. And then a 21-14 lead. And they exactly. blew them both because both. Urban sucks. Urban's but still, coach. but still, they put up a better fight, and so they yeah. at least ran the ball. Exactly, ran the ball effectively. Yeah, not exactly. just ran the ball. I mean, the Steelers can run the ball all they want. It's just will you see Najee Harris actually make get production? I don't think so. Line up under center with Derek Watt in the I formation. The first time you touch the football in this game, I don't care if Rodgers goes on a methodical ten-minute opening drive for seven points. This should be the script to open. I formation, jumbo package, Zach Gentry in there instead of Eric Ebron, for God's sakes. He's the only one that's willing to block out of the tight ends. And fire off the freaking ball up the middle. Try to get four or five yards on first down. And, and, and for God's sake, establish a running game early with some power football. I know it's an oxymoron in 2021. And all football guys listening, Matt Canada, since he listens to the show every day, is probably sitting there going, that's not how you run offense in 2021. Matt, that's how we have to run this offense if, if you're looking at it from the Pittsburgh Steelers' perspective. And to be quite honest, it might not work, but it's worth a try to go a little old school on this league because nothing else is working for you right now. Yeah. Get get under center and run the ball. The most successful runs have been with Ben under center. I mean, that's, ju that's just a fact. There's no question. And But I'd love to see the next-gen stats of passes 
for, or, or plays ran out of the shotgun versus under center. And as far as the receivers are concerned, they're going to have a tough day. This is a really good Green Bay secondary. Um, Jair Alexander, one of the best corners in football. Darnell Savage and Adrian Amos are both good safeties. Kevin King is solid as well. He's questionable right now, so not sure if he'll play. But I wouldn't bet on him not playing. So receivers having trouble getting separation against the improving but not great secondary in Cincinnati. I think this is a secondary that trends towards being great in Green Bay. They're going to have trouble there. It's going to have to be the tight ends again. The Packers are susceptible over the middle. Their linebackers, kind of like the Raiders were, their linebackers are very suspect in, in Green Bay. You can be had in the middle of the field if you want to throw the ball to Ebron or Fryermuth there. But I say middle of the field, and Ben has been pretty adverse to throwing the ball in the middle of the field. So once yep. again, the formula, run that football, get your tight ends involved in the middle of the field, and – those are two things the Steelers have struggled to do mightily in three weeks. So I just have no confidence they'll be able to do it this week. Well, I mean, there there is no reason to have confidence, Tom. And that's what's frustrating is because that's how you beat this Green Bay Packers team. But you don't think they're going to – you don't have the confidence in this no. team to, to recognize that recipe for – again, I don't want to say victory, but maybe moral victory. For being competitive. Exactly. To, to make it some, some semblance of a game. Well, that'll do it for this episode of the Steelers Standard. Thanks, as always, for giving us a listen. For Jacob Recht, I'm Tom Opferman, and we will talk to you guys on our next edition of the Steelers Standard.